Hello, friends. Welcome back to the episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Eat Your Coffee. My God, do I love that one because I don't like coffee that much, but do I want caffeine? Heck yes. Do I like to eat? Also, heck yes. Into it. And Lion Rock Recovery. Very into the self-care of recognizing if we need a little help from our friends. All right? We're both going to hear about it later. Or we're all going to hear about it later. Okay. So I'm titling this episode, The Only Way Is Through, which is a phrase I didn't come up with. I looked online for about 30 seconds uh, to find out who came up with it. Some people said Robert Frost, and that's about as far as I got. I'm sure it's either him or someone else far more intelligent than myself. But I just love that phrase. And there's a new podcast coming out that's called that. That's what kind of sparked my memory of hearing that phrase before. Uh, I think the podcast is about um, famous sports stories. I digress. But I think that this is an important title for a podcast episode based on my friend Jared Lipscomb, who at the very young age of 31 is fighting a battle with leukemia. And uh, wait, listen, it's not going to be too... It's not going to be so depressing because he's going to be fine. He's crushing it. He's dating during this. He's fine. Um, but he's also just so upbeat and cool. And he talks about like his journey. And I don't know. You're going to like the episode. Trust me. Um, so just don't don't think it's going to be depressing. But uh, I like the title for that reason. And uh, just also for like anything any of us might be going through. Obviously, leukemia is a very extreme case of you know trauma and pain and hardship you know especially at a young age um but anything small like it could be a work thing or a relationship issue or maybe you fractured your spine for no reason oh is that sound personal oh because that's me I'm sorry um (laughs) I I am not making this about me but because I have to acknowledge it um But truthfully, I do mean like anything anyone's going through. I mean, I think about that even when I've gone through breakups, like, all right, you know what? The only way is through. Eventually you will get over it. Eventually you will heal and you just have to face it head on. Don't, don't numb it with drugs or alcohol or food or other relationships or anything like the only way is through. Um, so I mean that wholeheartedly. But I did also mean the joke that uh, sometimes it does come with a spinal, uh, or a spinal, a fractured spinal cord. Not even a spinal cord, a fractured spine. See, it's very, this just happened a few days ago. So I don't even really know the terminology and I didn't even expect it to be this severe. So because I've received a lot of messages on social media, because I posted some videos about me throwing chips across the room because I couldn't get up to get them. But I was like, I refuse to sit here and eat a bag of chips because god knows i will um i chucked a bag across the room because i was like well i can't get up and get it so i guess we're done eating chips today um a lot of people have asked me how the heck i fractured my spine and uh god i barely know how no i do know how but like i was genuinely so shocked so here's the backstory and it it's such a freak accident, but I, I know very clearly like how and why it happened, but like, it still is like slightly infuriating where it's just like, what? The, like it went from so z- zero to 60. So, um, my friend 
whom you guys know, but I'm just, I'm going to brush over it, um, lives next to these neighbors who, um, let's just call them unhinged. Um, I had never experienced them in person before, but I had heard stories. And uh, so, let's, like 2 p.m. on a Sunday, uh, I'm just going to start saying names, but I'm not going to say the name of the person that lives next to him, just whatever. Um, Our friend Sheena and her boyfriend, who is a gigantic ex-athlete or still is an athlete, so you're going to need that for the part of the story. They come to pick me, friend, and another one of our friends, Zach, up for a surprise birthday party. And they didn't... Okay, so the weird thing about the two driveways next to each other, there's really no way to differentiate. And does it really matter if you're there for 10 minutes? Yeah, it's not great. Certainly not great. But not worth attacking people over. So Sheena and her boyfriend pull up because we're, we're trying to surprise our friend. You know what I mean? And so they're like, okay, we'll pull in. We got to quickly come in, do a whole thing. Uh, and then whisk her off to her actual surprise birthday party at a Mexican restaurant down the street. And so they pull in and they have no way of knowing, no way of knowing really, if they're pissing the neighbors off. So they pull in, they park there, they come into the house and we're all just kind of like waiting and trying to like play it chill because we don't want our friend to know that it's her surprise birthday party. And so... They've been in the house for less than 10 minutes and I look out the window and the neighbors who I have never encountered before but heard stories about are freaking the hell out. Like like wild banshees just screaming, freaking out, then coming up to the window, coming like and I was like, Sheena, you got to tell like we got to you got to move the car, like whatever. And so they go outside and Sheena's boyfriend couldn't have been more calm and sweet and frankly I'm surprised the neighbors who are clearly out of their mind at 2 p.m. on a Sunday would even have the balls to approach someone who could literally squash them like an ant and he couldn't have been nicer he said you know you know mate that this is this is not my friend's fault like I will move the car this is a weird bad like South African act I don't know it's like South African and Swedish and Canadian all mixed into one so let's just stop me doing this now um but he couldn't have been nicer he was like very sorry it's not her fault you you know I I I am sorry it's my fault you can yell at me the the man yelling at him was I don't know maybe five six 150 pounds nothing no fear his wife or girlfriend or housemate I don't know probably a similar similar stature and weight screaming like I'm so surprised they didn't actually get physical, but it felt like it was getting there. So Sheena's boyfriend is saying, saying, you know, I'm really sorry. We shake my hand like and I don't really want to get into a physical altercation. Like, please, like, let's just like we're, we we moved the car, whatever. And at this point, um, before before that, he had moved the car. He had told me, Sheena and and Kristen and Zach. Fuck, I just said it was Kristen, whatever. Uh to get into the car. Well, they wouldn't let her out of her house, basically. And so, because they kept running up to her and screaming at her. And so, basically, I got into the third row of the uh, SUV. Uh, Sheena got in the front seat and her boyfriend got in the driver's seat. We were able to move the car around. And, you know, one would think 
that the yelling would stop. Like, hey, so sorry that we took up 10 minutes of your time when you weren't leaving your house. Um, I hope that sufficed your rant for the day. It did not. It lasted so much longer, so much more terrifying. It's hard to describe uh, as a secondhand account right now, but I will say... uh, I don't think I'm that much of a wuss, but I was scared enough that I just kept saying, and she has video of it that I think she will post fairly soon. Um, I just kept saying to myself, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because they were just so unhinged it was scary. And so I'm still sitting in the back seat, like, you know, trying to like just be chill. And then they ran at my friend again, screaming at her. And I was like, why am I sitting back here? I can't just sit back here. Like, these are these are people I love. And so I tried to get out from the third row of an SUV and kind of went through the little center thing and like in like a, like a very flustered, very scared state, just tried to get out quickly. And my foot got caught uh, under the second row seat. And then I landed on my back on a you know, cement curb, like right in the center of my back. And at first I was like, oh, just knock the wind out of me. Cool. And my friends came and lifted me up and we were pretty much like, hey, we're done here with this Jerry Springer-esque, you know, episode. We got to go enjoy our lives. Um, and within minutes, we we drove to the surprise birthday party at the Mexican restaurant. And when your adrenaline's kind of pumping, when you're afraid, you're just like, I'll probably be fine. I don't know. And I get out of the car and my boyfriend, Greg, is already waiting at the restaurant because everyone knew of the, the surprise. And uh, I went into the bathroom and I went to, because I was still scared and also in so much pain. And so I went into the women's bathroom and I went to just sit down and like, I don't even think I had to pee. I just tried to sit down to like gather myself and I could barely sit. I was my back was spasming and then I started kind of crying and I was like, this is bad. This is bad. Um, yeah. Then maybe stayed at the, the event for another 20 minutes before Greg was like, you probably should go home. And I was like, I probably should. And so went home and, uh, it was painful. Uh, Greg kept having to lift me up to even just go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I, uh, fainted because of the pain at a certain point. And then in the morning we were like, maybe we should see a doctor. Went to the doctor, but kind of figured they'd be like, hey, you had a bad spill, you know. Now you're all shook up. You'll figure it out. Maybe it's a bruise, whatever. Um, they took ex- x-rays and then the doctors came back in after the x-rays. And they started kind of touching around on my back. And then I knew like, I think they're going to tell me something bad. And they went back out of the room to look at the x-rays again and they came back in and then pulled them up and then said, we're very glad that you came in because you have fractured your spine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We're also a little worried you may have ruptured a kidney because if you fell that hard, it's possible that happened. So we need to take a test for that, blah, blah, blah. I think the ruptured kidney thing freaked me out way more. I did not. The the test came back clear. I'm fine. Anyways, so uh, mom was on bed rest for four weeks and... uh, Greg's having to be the nurse, the maid, the cook, the everything. So it's kind of nice. Greg, can you not? I'm doing a podcast intro. Why do you have to dance about? This isn't a, no, it's not a visual medium. Um, But yeah, but this story is very minor (laughs) compared to 
my dear friend Jared's story, but I had to address it because if you see, if you do follow me on uh, social media and I am laying in the same spot on my couch for four weeks, it's not because I just gave up on, uh, you know, standing. It's because I can't right now. Um, but yeah, so this is not to say that this is a uh, major thing compared to my friend Jared's whose story, who you're going to hear. Um, he, I mean, I can't even imagine. I honestly can't imagine being 31 and you're going to hear a story like thinking they just like, oh, yeah, I'll just figure it out as an allergy or just have headaches or whatever. And then they tell you that you have a very serious form of leukemia. And um, I don't know. I hope that if you know anyone that's sick, this will help you learn how to speak to them and he- and listen to their needs. Because we tell a story on here where. I think Jared was just trying to enjoy himself one night doing makeup for Kristen and Brittany. And I just had like an obnoxious need to be like, hey, how's your treatment going? Are you okay? And and he just didn't want to talk about it that night. And I had to learn like, hey, maybe they just want to feel, they want their mind off of it. So you don't always ask them if they're sick or if they're feeling okay. So I don't know. And everyone's different, but I feel like he goes into a lot of like in-depth reasons and why, you know, People might have different needs and also a lot of it is super funny and he's so chill about it. There's a lot of like nurse gossip. Um, but yeah, I just think like in a challenging time, whether it be as life altering as Jared's uh, or not, you can switch your perspective and just kind of lean into it, get through it and do the best you can. So without further ado, my friend, celebrity makeup artist, brave hero, artist in general, son friend and so much more jared lipscomb all right jared lipscomb am i saying it right you're saying it you know you're saying it good enough for me but you said you say it wrong i say lipscomb because i don't like to say lipscomb i I don't like added like an accent onto it yeah you know i i like to think of it as a like a formal e like a british e at the end of it lipscomb yeah (laughs) So it's very, <laughs> but I've just done that. It's like no one in my family pronounced like, there'll just be a Lipscomb. Lipscomb? Yeah. We're from the South. So sometimes it's like with a real draw, you know, Lipscomb. But. You, okay. I was going to ask you earlier, cause I'm sure we've talked about it, but when we were just chatting here, I'm like, Jared never sounds like he's from the South, but he sounds like he's from the South right now when we were just talking <laughs> before we started podcasting. Where are you from again? I mean, I grew up all over the South. So okay. I grew up in North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. My mom's from Dallas. My dad's from Georgia. So, you know, I've got a hodgepodge. What caused you guys to move around so much when you were younger? Um, my dad was a preacher mm-hmm. and so for, I don't know why that correlates to moving around a lot, but he would just, it's gotta find know, his flock, yeah, find the flock. <laughs> go where the Lord guides you, yeah. you know, yeah, just wherever it takes you. No rules, no boundaries. <laughs> Actually so many rules, so right? many rules, so yeah. many rules. But I do have to say just like before anyone like jumps down cause everyone wants to know, but like my parents are very liberal and very supportive. Okay. So yeah. Oh good. Well, I was actually going to ask that. Um, it was not on my list of questions to ask, but now that we're talking about it. So when you, um, came out when you were younger what age did you come out I mean I it, I wasn't hiding it you know what I mean like it's not very easy for someone like me to hide it you yeah know, I'm, I'm let's explain your stature <laughs> I'm six foot five yeah. oftentimes I have blonde highlights you know and a little makeup on so a little makeup I've seen you yeah, in full contour yeah, before sometimes I have a lot of makeup on <laughs> but even in my day-to-day I'm like popping a little you know a little blush a little highlight I'm actually a little disappointed you not wearing makeup I literally purposely I was like I can barely get up because oh, I, I'll tell you guys later but I fractured my spine and I was like I gotta put, I gotta look good for Jared to come <laughs> over I can't just <laughs> look like the truck driver that I normally do well you look beautiful nonetheless yes so anyways it was hard for you to hide 
Um, you, yeah, you, it's hard. you look beautiful without makeup, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was hard to hide it. And so I didn't officially come out till we moved to Florida. And I realized that there were like gay people in my high school mm-hmm. who were like openly gay and also like well liked and not bullied. And it was like mm-hmm. a, uh, it just like opened my eyes because before we're wherever we moved from before Florida, it was like very hard, very bullied, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I was like afraid to come out. So by the time I turned 16 or 17, when we moved to Florida and I saw people being like accepting of gay people, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gay. Like, like have been since birth. Have been. <laughs> but um, my parents took it well. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's always a process for parents, no matter, yeah. no matter how accepting they are. But especially you throw that, like we've all grew up religious. Like I grew up religious because they grew up religious. Mm-hmm. So they had that weird first, you know, couple days of just like, you know, internally freaking out. And then yeah. now, you know, my dad is like an LGBTQ activist. And, oh, I love that. Oh yeah. He's like, and, one st- of, and still a preacher. Yeah. Well, he's an, an actually ordained priest and uh-huh. he, he, uh, works with dioceses that like do, you know, gay marriages and like has transgendered priests and well, like, that's so cool. yeah. So they still get their, you know, religious beliefs, but that's also very accepting and very open, which honestly, like if you're going to do a religion, that's, that's the way to do it. You just accept everyone for who they are. Isn't that what religion should be? That's kind of the point of it, but yeah. some, somewhere along pretty the much way, a, pretty much everyone doesn't go with that. Thing, yeah. Somewhere religion. along the way we lost our, <laughs> lost, lost track, Rachel. Um, well I would, I'm going to go with, I, Doubt, well, you can answer it, but I'm going to say I doubt you were physically bullied because of your size. But were you bullied when you uh, before you moved to the more liberal school in Florida for being gay? Yeah, before were, I was even openly. And no gay. one was afraid of you. I mean, despite the fact that I'm six foot five, I am not an intimidating presence. Do you know what I mean? I just think, well, maybe because I'm so short. Yeah, I just that's think, true. And it, um. And like, I, I just know like a six foot five guy, like I'm not going to go try to like, you know, pick on a six foot five guy. Like, yeah, but you so, got to think I'm dealing with football players that's and like true. That, okay, kinda, fair, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess I was going from my narrow perspective. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so we're dealing with like football teams of people yeah. and like, you know. So did you struggle with being bullied at the other schools? Yeah, for sure. In what way? If you don't um, want to talk about it. No, no, it doesn't matter. Um, Just, I mean... You know, I've been able to process it really, really in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do not process it. And Mm -hmm. I think it comes out in weird insecurities and weird ways. But I was just bullied, you know, name calling. And it it was just the toughest part is like, I hadn't, I didn't know myself. Like Mm -hmm. I hadn't found myself. I was, you know, had barely hit puberty and people were already calling me like, I mean, sometimes they just be like, you're gay. And it's like a weird thing because it's like. Yeah, I kind of, I know yeah, I am. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, obviously, like, it's not, yeah. not an insult at all. But obviously, in middle school and high school, when you're 15 and 13 and all those, like, it is an insult. Yeah. You know. Guys, I know I say this all the time, but I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. And by God, do I mean it. When it comes to eat your coffee. Okay. So, eat your coffee is a wonderful thing for people like me. I don't really enjoy you know, sitting there and just like, ah, oh, it's coffee time. I got to hold it, walk with it. It spills. It's hot, whatever. But I need caffeine because I'm always tired. And a lot of times I need nutrients on top of it. And when can you just throw a cup of coffee in your bag and get going? It's called never. And that's where Eat Your Coffee comes in. So Eat Your Coffee was founded by college students who wanted a quicker, more natural way to stay alert. So they created the original naturally caffeinated snack bar fueled by organic coffee. Since 2015, they've been crafting a range of vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and kosher snacks from bars to nut butters ready to fuel your day. Okay, so here's what's cool. 
they have a free trial of all your eat your coffee products and everyone's been loving it. So I'm enjoying the fact that, okay, so again, I can't always get coffee on the go and I struggle with energy. So when I have a stand up set at 10 PM at night and I've already been podcasting and running around all day, I don't want to go and get like a stale cup of coffee. So I throw one of my eat your coffee bars in my purse, take a few bites of it, especially the small ones. It's a shot of espresso in a delicious little snack bar and I'm ready to go. And they have so many options for just about everyone from keto connoisseurs to endurance athletes to the busy mom just looking for a midday pickup, a student like pulling an all-nighter and you just want to have a little pick-me-up. And instead of signing up for getting and seeing unnecessary charges pile up, they'll send you a quick text to confirm, change and reschedule or cancel your next shipment. Simple as that. And I think you should try Eat Your Coffee ASAP. And the good folks at Eat Your Coffee are extending the same free trial that they have for all of my listeners. So if you want to give this a try, you can pick up any of their free trial options. Just chip in shipping. It's nothing. Come on, guys. From the original snack bar line, their keto bundle, or the one they put together for the chocolate lovers like myself, just text BE HERE, all in one word, B-E-H-E-R-E, no spaces to 29071 to give Eat Your Coffee a try. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Just text be here. Guys, come on. I have to pay a shipping. Get involved. Just text be here, B E H E R E, all in one word, to 29071 to give Eat Your Coffee a try. But, um, it was. I mean, it was pretty rough. I, I not not like you know dipping your head in the toilets kind of things. Mm-hmm. It was just all more name calling y stuff. Yeah. Uh, aside from a, one very scary thing, where like we were driving around because it was like a small town, so you like would just drive around and just like pull up to the gas station and like. Don't I know? Yeah, so we did in my town. Yeah, you know how it is. You're yeah. cru- cruising around, yep. and um, I was cruising around with some of the I girls. Love that it was a gas station too. Ours was like a mini mart. Like, who's going to be hanging at the mini mart? How sad is that? Well, you know what? <laughs> it's sad, but I part of me longs for those simple simple days just like listening you know listening to usher usher's oh my god uh, we listen to so much usher too because yeah. we're about the same age so yeah. small towns yeah what album like the confessions album or yes, something i think so yeah where it's the guy like yeah and um yeah, these are yeah. my confessions and all that stuff <laughs> yeah but besides one traumatic night where like this group of guys in like seven different pickup trucks were following me and this my friend around like Ooh. with baseball bats. Like okay, it was very traumatic terrifying. stuff. Yeah. But like I said, my parents were so supportive. My dad's, if you think I'm like a big intimidating figure, like you should see my dad. Like, really? even though he's a preacher, he's like from the Navy. Like he was a boxer. Like, Oh, he, he sounds awesome. He's, he's awesome. He's so loving and so smart, but he's like big. Mm-hmm. And so he came out there with his, like with a shovel and he put his foot underneath some guy's car and dared him to run him over. He's like, run me over and see what happens. And then after that, it kind of cooled down oh my, for I some reason. Why. It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> So but it is like it's a funny thing to process trauma like traumatic experiences and be like oh yeah that was pretty traumatic but like you know well this could be a good segue to lead into <laughs> you know where you're at now and perhaps that's you know small fish to fry compared to <laughs> what you've gone through now before we get into that I guess we should explain how we know each other okay I should have done, done that up top but um so you are a makeup artist that is correct I'm a makeup artist <laughs> and you do the makeup on many of my friends for uh-huh. Vanderpump Rules or their weddings or the events and whatnot and uh I was always just sort of around <laughs> while they were getting their makeup done yeah and yeah. we became friends just yeah. by just by hanging around yeah so yeah so 
tell people like who you've done makeup for just so they have a frame of reference. Yeah. So, I mean, I do a lot of the girls from Vanderpump Rules that mm-hmm. you're friends with, you know, like Kristen and Brittany, um, Ariana, Stassi, Katie, mainly everyone who's on the show. Yeah. So everyone. And <laughs> everyone. And then um, I do makeup for, I started actually one of my friends was on Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny how um, the way I prefer working is kind of like referrals and like becoming friendly with people. And like, I just like that aspect of doing makeup as opposed to just being assigned to go do like a stranger's makeup. Mm-hmm. So one of my friends was on Orange is the New Black and she like, you know, we became really close. So she's like, oh, you should do my friend who's also on Orange is the New Black. So then I, same thing happened. I ended up doing like a lot of the cast members who live in Los Angeles who are from Orange is the New Black. And that was like my big, if you wear air quotes, big break because mm-hmm. it's like a it was a hit show at the time, you know, like at the zeitgeist of it all. And I was doing their red carpet, SAG Awards, mm-hmm. you know, Emmy Award makeup. Have you ever had someone um, just... See, I feel like I can be kind of not a brat with my makeup. It's more just I know what I like. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really willing to try something new, which mm-hmm. is pretty much why I do it myself all the time. Although I like the way you do makeup. Like I would let you do it. But when like you're not used to it and someone goes way too heavy or something and you're just like I would never really say something to the person but I would just go and like fix it myself yeah but have you ever had someone just like freak out on you um not freak out my thing is like you said like I do it I am my background is like doing red carpet which Mm -hmm. is glam but it's not this like heavy contoured instagram Mm -hmm. kim kardashian style like you want people to look fresh face and like themselves especially like i started with actresses Mm -hmm. so they're these are people who want to look like themselves just like an elevated version so that's my basis of makeup (sighs) which is my favorite type yeah it's so pretty it's so fresh faced and Mm -hmm. like if you want to do like a little eye like maybe you do like a wing liner or maybe you do like a little smoky smudge on the edge but like you're not doing these drastic like who is that person transformations so the only thing that i've had happen is people expect more and I, I it's more of those things like well oh i'm not gonna you know i can't i know in uh, one picture a contour can make you look skinnier but mm-hmm. like in real life what i how i do makeup i'm i'm doing it for people who are on camera from all angles yeah. or walking a red carpet and all under all sorts of lights so i can't do this kind of makeup where you're yeah. gonna look skinny in one picture and then look like you fell into a mud pie yeah or like you took a sharpie to your yeah yeah totally. it, from from one angle so that's the only thing i've encountered is people who just like want more and don't realize that like like I just do less is more. Yeah, yeah. That's my, my mentality, but I haven't had any like freak outs about it. I've just, I mean, I've definitely not been asked back for certain people, mm-hmm. but probably you didn't want to work with them again. Anyways. Oh yeah. Cause I, I know off the bat as soon as I meet them yeah. and it's just like, you know, I used to work for beauty con horrible, horrible place. And <laughs> they imagine. always had like influencers come in and they'd always have me as like the on hand makeup artist. I always loved when the girls would show up just already ready. Cause they, you know, they're mm-hmm. most of them are beauty influencers, but there'd be a few who were like, I'm going to get my makeup done. Like, and it's like, you don't understand. Like this There's is not enough time. This for is not going to be... work out. Like yeah. you should have just done it yourself. Like, and, and of course, and then I do it, they look beautiful. And then they're like, well, I need more, you know? And it's like, this is not your Instagram video. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, the major thing that's going on in your life right now. <laughs> what could that be? What? I don't know. So um, last year you were diagnosed with leukemia. Mm-hmm. Did that come as, well, obviously it came as a huge surprise, I'm sure. Absolutely. What, what transpired before you found out? Like, how did you know to go to the doctor and, and whatnot? Yeah. So... Last summer, starting around the end of June, I was still working and stuff, but I started to get headaches and was feeling fatigued, having trouble breathing, like walking up steps would kind of like fatigue me. And then, um, but still working, it was just, it was like little things. And I thought, oh God, I'm getting a bad case of migraine, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then from then I, uh, 
it just got worse. And to in July, it became, you know, pretty severe. And by August, I had lost 30 pounds. I was not able to eat and barely drink water. I mean, I was like vomiting up water. And it was, um, I was going to the emergency room multiple times a week, going to doctors all the time. And they were just kind of, you know, the, they were just kind of siphoning through me. Let me start that over. You're fine. They were just like pushing me through the medical industrial complex, being like, go see this specialist for your headaches, go Mm -hmm. see this person for, you know, this reason. And then we're going to test your stomach because you're vomiting for this. So I was getting all these test done and then constantly going to the ER thinking that I was like dehydrated and like not receiving enough nutrition because I wasn't. And eventually being so frustrated uh, at the end of August after dealing with this for two months, um, I just went to a out of network, out of my insurance uh, hospital that specializes in like, because specializes in um, infectious diseases. Because I really okay. thought I had something like that. Like one of the doctors, like you maybe have like something very bizarre. I mean, this is pre like coronavirus or yeah. something. But like they were like, this seems like you know your symptoms are not normal. Mm-hmm. So like they they recommended I go even though it was out of network. So I did, and within three days they were like, no, you have acute myeloid leukemia. Wow. And what test did they do to discover that? I mean, they did quite a few tests. They started with, you know, blood draws and then the blood draws showed suspicious activity. So then they have to do this horrible thing. And it's my least favorite part, which is, I know, ironic when you have a, like, just a least favorite part about oh, having you cancer. Can, you can rank it. You're like, but you know, cancer's not great, but I'll tell you the worst the part of worst it. The worst part is, and it's horrible. And I'm not going to describe it too long because I can barely think about it. But it's called a bone marrow biopsy. And as you can imagine, mm-hmm. somehow they have to get inti- inside your bone to, to get a sample. So it is the, and this is not a surgery that they put you under for. Mm-hmm. This is something that you are awake for. Ugh. And so, yeah, we will leave it at that. But so they did one of those and that confirmed the suspicions. And even while they said like, oh, you have these suspicious blasts in your blood, like we need to go in to see. And then, of course, that was the... Mm-hmm. The fi- the findings. And what was your first thought when you got that news? And were you by yourself or did you have... So when I got or- went to the hospital, I was by myself because mm-hmm. I was just like... Just, well, I, I had been sick for two months. So I was so used to just like running to the ER for like a bag of fluids or like being like, hey, this hurts. Can you check me out? Like my heart's beating really fast. Like it, am I having a heart attack? And it was just always... They were mm-hmm. always just like, no, it's nothing. Like all your tests are coming back normal. They weren't really doing like these involved blood tests though mm-hmm. which is obviously the the way to figure it out and so i was there f- by myself and then i called my mom and said they came in and like the day up and said they think it might like it's the possibility that it might be a type of cancer or it could mm-hmm. be something the other things that can create these they're called blasts in your bloodstream mm-hmm. and so they said it could be this this or this or it could be cancer but i could sense the woman who is like the pathologist who came to see me like i could sense she is like you know, when you can just vi- read oh, yeah. someone, it's like most like nine times out of 10, it's this cancer. That happened to me yesterday, not to make it about me because this <laughs> is way less serious, but I could tell like they had taken my x-rays for my back and then two doctors came in and they were like, we just want to like, can you, we just push on a few things again? And like, and I'm like, okay, so what is it? Like, but I could just tell by the way. And they were like, well, we're just going to go back and check and we'll come back in. I'm like, yeah, oh, they're about ready to tell me something that it's not just, Hey, you have a bruise on your bone or whatever. Like, I'm like, they're about ready to tell me something serious. They came back in. They're like, well, you fractured your spinal or not spinal cord. Yeah. Spinal cord. 
I no, have your no spine, idea. spinal cord, whatever. Oh, spinal cord's inside your spine. Yeah, 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 yeah. you fractured your spine. And I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I sensed that it wasn't just going to be, hey, you, you just need to ice it, it for a day. Yeah, yeah you can exactly. sense it. You can sense it. Yeah. And so literally, like I like I said, I have such a supportive family. So I called my mom in hysterics. Like, I can't believe like even cancer's a possibility. And I mean, she was there the next day. Oh, and so, I mean, so she took, took a flight right then and there. And so she flew out here from Florida and she was with me. And then she was there when they came in and said, it is as we expected that you do have, you know, acute myeloid leukemia. And, you know, of course, I mean, I just lost it because you just, Oh God, of course. I mean, I'd been suffering for two months of like this mystery illness and they're telling me so many things. It's migraines. It's an allergy. It's this and it's that. And it's, you know, like, and you think it's going to be something you never think it's going to be something this serious. Especially at 31. Yeah. Especially, especially at 31. So world was rocked. Yeah. Did, was your doctor, uh, is it the same one you still have? And did you feel like that person was sympathetic and like, did they deliver the news, you know, in a way that made you hopeful or? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was still, when I found out I was still in like their, um, ER and annex. So mm-hmm. I was still like in their ER thing. So I was like in a, it was more comfortable than an ER, but mm-hmm. like, like, cause they had like little cubbies with the beds tucked away, but like I, it was not a private room by any means. Mm-hmm. So I was still like technically under the care of ER when I found out. And as soon as they came in and diagnosed them, they moved me up to their, their cancer floor and started to prep for all the treatment. So the people who were delivering the news, like they were pathologists and people like that. Like I didn't, wasn't assigned a doctor at this point. Okay. So they, they were sympathetic, but they are very much a numbers like percentages and this and that. And I do not respond well to that yeah. type of thing. Most people don't. There's a, there's a, per, you know, there's a few people who like that kind of very scientific fact basing. But my question would be like constantly, am I going to die? Yeah. You know, and I would just be sobbing it. And now it's almost like a joke with like, however that can be a joke. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think humor is the best way to it is, get through and, it. And it is like such a joke now of, um, I think back on it. Like I finally wore my doctor down when, I, cause I did transfer to a different hospital just because I was such a nightmare with my insurance and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the success rate treating this specific type of cancer was better at a, a sister hospital. So I did have transferred since then. And I do adore my current doctor. He's a genius in the field. One of the experts in the field. And he's so, he's so compassionate. It's like, and very oh, not, that's really nice. he's not doctory at all. Yeah. Like I literally will, like I, I did my test on him where I said, am I going to die? And you know, like my doctor at the first place would be like nine, you know, like t- in typical patients who, who have a, uh, acute myeloid leukemia are usually 70 years or older. So they, you know, the percentage of them is 50 to whatever percent. But since you're 31, you're young and healthy. Otherwise your percentage is like 90, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, those are good odds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're good odds, yeah. but, but I'm like, yeah, but am I going to die? Yeah. You know, and then he's like, just say the words. <laughs> yeah. Say yes or no. <laughs> and of course they can't like, there's I all know. this thing, but my doctor here, he'll literally be like, you are going to fight this and we are going to, and he's like, oh, he's like, and awesome. I'll be there with you every step of the way. And he's like, you're going to be, you know, f- totally fine. And so obviously it's like a rough journey, but like just hearing that from mm-hmm. anyone is like, you just need to hear you that. You need it for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 And nurses awesome. are really good about that too. You yeah. know, like there's a lot of people like doctors are notoriously the worst, but I do actually love my current doctor. And yeah. part of the reason I'm happy I left the old hospital, even though they were great also, but just having a doctor who's so passionate about. And yeah. I feel like people need that. You need mm-hmm. someone to be like, cause if you're not feeling the strength that day, you need someone else. that's like, no, you got this. Yeah. You know? Very true. Friends. This is super important to me. And I hope that's important to you because as all of us know, someone that we know has been affected by addiction. It could be a family member, a friend, or it could even be you. 
And listen, no shame in your game. Hell, I live in Los Angeles. People are proud of having addiction issues, you know what I mean? And getting sober and like, frankly, their lives skyrocket afterwards. <laughs> but there's, there's no problem in admitting that you have a problem or that you just want a little bit of support. But maybe you want to do it privately. So did you know that it's now possible to get help for substance abuse problems online from the privacy of your home? And guess what? Lion Rock makes it easier to get the help you need and their evidence-based accredited outpatient treatment is 100% online. So Lion Rock offers professional help without the inconvenience and high price tag of having to go to an inpatient facility because maybe you're worried about like, God, is someone going to know? Are they going to notice I took time off work? Or am I going to seem weird? Like you just want to get help, but you don't want to have to shout it from the rooftops. Lion Rock is there and it's the most confidential way to get help. And when you join them at Lion Rock, you have therapy sessions led by licensed counselors using secure video conferences and you can choose the session times that work for you. And they offer flexible schedules in every U.S. time zone. And they truly believe in meeting people where they're at. So it's no judgment. If maybe you're just going through something emotionally, you think you're maybe just God, drinking too much or smoking pot too much. I don't know what the rules are, but they're there to offer a health and balance program for those who just want to reduce or moderate their alcohol use. And they offer free online support groups and workshops to anyone who needs help but isn't ready to commit to a treatment program because there's all levels of mental trauma and addiction and things and no one's pointing fingers. They just want to be there for you to get help. And you don't even have to be a client to take advantage of their free support groups. They're open to anyone, no strings attached. Lion Rock just wants to help you, be there for you, and help you to live your best life. So if you or someone you know wants truly confidential and effective help for drug or alcohol problems, their counselors are standing by to chat, text, or talk whenever you're ready. So visit lionrockrecovery.com slash be here. For more info and a free and totally confidential consultation. And so for the Be Here For A While listeners who enroll in Lion Rock's IOP program, simply mention coupon code BEHERE and they'll send you a free Amazon Fire preloaded with everything you need to log in and get started. Terms and conditions apply. But honestly, guys, hey, I'm here for you too and I support you and I support Lion Rock Recovery. Get involved if you need it. Okay, so questioned do you have a cancer hero so it doesn't have to be someone that had cancer necessarily but it could be someone like a celebrity or someone you knew in your life or um like someone that survived any type of like tragedy that or overcame any type of major struggle that you're kind of looking up to during this like hmm. i know no it's one's a, ever it's, asked me that before that's an in-depth question yeah that's a cool I one i can give you a few seconds to think about it yeah <laughs> or a minute <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know if i have like I definitely don't have like a cancer hero. Like I definitely don't have like one person who I'm like, wow, like their strength is pushing me forward. Yeah. But I will say like having my parents support me in this way, like my mom being by staying the night with me every single night of my, like when it initially happened Mm -hmm. for that 30 day stay in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then if she, then she would rotate. Cause you know, they were flying back to, back and forth to Florida. So then my dad would come and stay with me and sleep on this like uncomfortable little couch. Mm -hmm. And then my brother would come and stay with me. So like my family really has been like that kind of strength and who I, who I look to for everything. Yeah. Because the, the fact of the matter is it's like an emotional roller coaster. So like there are days I wake up, I mean, and it, I can't help it. You just like wake up and you're like, 
oh my God, like I cannot believe this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. It's like so surreal. And after, you know, this has been going on for six months now. So I I feel more grounded and more mm-hmm. confident. And, you know, like as I know, I'm getting closer to seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and knowing like all the positives that are to come. Mm-hmm. It's been easier. But that first initial month is so scary because yeah. you just don't know what. And there's so many new things. But so my family has been, been that thing. And then I will say I relied heavily on because I, I have – since I've been diagnosed, I can't watch TV the way I used to. Mm-hmm. And it's a mixture of like getting chemo really makes your brain like slow down. So like I can only watch reruns of sitcoms that I've already seen now. It's mm-hmm. like I'm on too many meds to like process new things. Yeah. But I will say like I love pop music and pop music was my like saving grace like in the love hospital. That. Yeah. Like we at one point I was having um like really bad heart palpitations and mm-hmm. they were like you have to do these breathing exercises mm-hmm. to like slow your heart rate down and I could barely do them. And my mom being like the researcher that she is and wanting to figure out, she's like, well, I read that like you can sing, like just trying to sing a song. So I would play all my favorites, Britney, Christina. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so, so it's so cheesy to be like, oh my gosh, like a pop star got me through something. But like, I would listen to the oh. same songs that yeah. I liked and I would like sing along out of breath, you know, you know, singing fighter and stronger yeah. by Britney and all I the. I can totally see how that would be soothing. Yeah. Though. It's like, even like you, when like you see someone that's like, maybe like kind of having like a panic or whatever and they sort of like need to make like calming noises to calm them down it's like anything that you could do that can calm you down and hey britney spears yeah she can calm me down and like it's and it's so fun too because because living in la and people you know have connections and stuff like and one of the ones that really helped me was like ciara i mm-hmm. love ciara so much and then like then i got a video message from ciara thanks to britney and Kristen and stuff awesome. and so like that's kind of cool too to be like Oh, wow. Like I was listening to you for like literally your new album came out right when I got diagnosed and like I would listen to like the soothing tracks like to help me fall asleep. And then I would listen to like the the bump up tracks to try and get me motivated to do my walks because you had to walk, you know, mm-hmm. with this giant IV and all these cords connected to you and you have to try and force yourself to walk. So you put on headphones and you're just trying your best and it's like you got to get a little burst, you yeah. know. So those are the two things, my family and pop music. I think that those, I, are, those are perfect answers. Yeah. I love that. You you went outside the box on that one. Yeah. Um, is it weird? Is that a weird feeling? I was thinking like that when you're going through this and yes, of course, like um, your friends and everyone are concerned, but that you see that life is still happening all around you, but your life is sort of on pause for a second. Is that yeah. is that hard to see? You're very well versed in all of this. Um, you know, it it is. And obviously, like, I mean, I feel like that's a problem in general just with social media and like mm-hmm. the, the life of FOMO, you know, just yeah. of like everyone has this into some degree because people are doing fa- more. Fa- Someone out there on social media is doing something more fabulous than you yeah. are. And especially when you're holed up in the hospital with cancer at 31. So I would say like the majority. <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> Even just people who get to go to like McDonald's drive through are living a better life than I'm living at that time. But um, I was able to, because of all the support and because, you know, I had a constant stream of visitors. Um, I can't imagine, like, I feel so sad for people who, who don't have huge groups of friends, which I've been lucky to always, I've just, that's my personality is to everywhere I go to make a friend kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Everyone loves you. So (laughs) thanks. And so, um, so I have so many different groups of friends, you know, in LA before I did makeup, I worked at like several different restaurants and each restaurant's a group of friends. And then like, you know, the girls from Vanderpump, they're Mm -hmm. a group of friends and like by default you Mm -hmm. and like all the people I meet through them. And then all the girls that I worked on other makeup shows, you know, makeup things with, they're Mm -hmm. all friends. So I constantly have visitors. So I never felt too, 
left out. Mm-hmm. It was hard initially to realize like before before I knew the the seriousness of what was to come and like how long the recovery and everything's going to be like involved I was like it all happened around the start of award season which I was just getting into you know I've been only been doing like those kinds of events like major award shows for like three years Mm -hmm. so when I realized like oh my gosh this is in August and the Emmys are in September and I was booked for the Emmys mm-hmm. to work and oh. realizing like, Oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. That was kind oh, of hard to process. Yeah. yeah. And those kinds of things were hard to process, but you get used to it, you know, you yeah. just, and you just realize like at a certain point, like my health, you know, like my living my life and you'd have to literally tell yourself like my life is more important than my need to, want to go do something fun that day mm-hmm. you know yeah well and you realize do you have you ever had to tell yourself like this is just temporary oh my gosh I had to do a mantra all the time <laughs> and who so taught you the mantra my mom of course she was like we say this all the time and we say every morning I would wake up and anytime I would get upset and I would be like I am strong I am courageous my blood is good my results will be better, you know, will be better or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is temporary. And I would repeat it over and over. I believe in that stuff. I yeah, believe that I you're mean, like the power of the mind can help heal you. Yeah. And can calm you down and, and can also be your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Like when people let their brain just tell them, oftentimes the bad stuff you're telling yourself are not true. I oh, mean, absolutely. More than, I mean, I would say the majority of the time. And so you have to kind of just be like, even if it is just like a silly mantra or something, which is not silly. Um, I was wondering, okay, so for my listeners, if, if, if you know, they, they are friends with someone who's going through cancer treatment or a family member or whatever, is there a way, and this is kind of a two-part question, is there a way you like people to approach it? And are there times when you don't want to be asked about it? Because I have a very distinct memory of you were doing Kristen and Britney's makeup for the Vanderpump Dogs Gala. And I felt like, like everyone else, I feel like a, a lot of times around you, everyone is talking and I'm not saying that they're being insensitive because they see you way more than I do. So I don't get to see you as often, but they're talking about, you know, dumb drama stuff or things that, you know, and not dumb, but you know what I mean around you. And then no one's asking you how you're feeling. And it's, all, and it's obviously like, you know, you're going through treatment and it was like eight o'clock at night and you're still doing their makeup. And I, I noticed that you were probably kind of tired. So I just started to ask you how you were feeling. And you said to me, sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And is there a way for people to approach like when to ask you about it? And maybe do you not like to talk about it? Maybe just go through the whole process. Because I feel like because I feel like it's people don't know how to approach it. And yeah, I mean, it is complicated and I think each person likes to handle things differently. Mm-hmm. And so for me, because my thing is such a long kind of process, you know, like by, by when this is all said and done, it's going to be almost a year, if not over a year of dealing with it, mm-hmm. that I do enjoy the normalcy of not being you know, quote cancer patient. Yeah. Now that being said, I do not mind to like using my, my newfound status to get, to get stuff and to like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I was dealt a shitty, cu- uh, shitty hand of cards. Yeah. And so I'm going to use whatever, whatever I can that. to, to find the silver lining in it. So that part, I have no problem being like, you know, like, may I cut in line from you? I have cancer, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Excuse me. Can I sit in the front row of this concert yes. for free? I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so that part, you know, and it's, it is, it's just like, you got to find the silver lining in that. But when it comes specifically to like, like that night at the doing makeup Mm -hmm. and and telling you like, I don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's just like, 
I just did, you know, I was just like feeling normal. I was yeah. like, I was doing makeup and I was hearing other people's stories because it does get exhausting to just have to talk about totally your diagnosis and like the pro like where we are at, Cause, you know, cause the mind's very involved. Cause like, as you've talked about before, like finding a match for someone mm-hmm. like waiting for a bone marrow match. So then people get invested thanks to social media, which has been such a powerful tool for me. And then they're asking about, you, about it constantly, constantly. So, mm-hmm. Cause no one knows what's happening in the DMS. No one knows like, okay, yeah, five people asked me about this one day, but then the next day, a hundred people are asking about, mm-hmm. like, did you find a match? Did you find a match? Did you find a match? You know, so like that kind of stuff. That can be a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know, it's a it's a blessing and a curse kind of thing. Like, it's not like I have a million followers, so I'm not dealing with too much, but I definitely, it's cathartic for me to share on social media because I get to kind of express myself and I get a lot of positive positivity from mm-hmm. it and I get to hear people's like success stories. But that just like anything on social media with all the positive comes the negative. And mm-hmm. sometimes with something so delicate, they people don't realize it's be, they're being the negative. Yeah. And you, it's hard for you to hold space for someone else's problems and emotions in that moment. Exactly. Probably. It's yeah. very hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, almost impossible. Yeah. I'd say the worst question I get, the worst thing, and it's so simple is just when people will like text or like send a DM, like how you you doing like how you feeling and it's just like no like that's such a complicated are you talking about just how i'm feeling today in general yeah. as a mood or are you talking about the cancer part yeah because literally the mood will change within and any day like if i have a doctor's appointment that day my mood is automatically i'm stressed and i'm mad just mm-hmm. because i go to so many doctor's you appointments you probably just get sick of going I'm just it's such sick of a it. hassle i'm sick and tired of it and yeah. so that part it's just like do not and so it's just i find it very And I know no one means bad by it. You know, Mm -hmm. I know they're not trying to like, obviously try to make me mad, but I find it to be like the worst question. It's just like, how you doing? Yeah. But especially via text. Like if you're, if I see you in person, you're like, how you doing? That's such a, cause you can, you know, you can give them a hug and you can say, I'm fine, but I don't want to talk about it. But like via text, especially when it's a stranger who's just been like following your story because you know, they're, they are invested in it Mm -hmm. and they, you know, maybe they knew someone who went through something similar. So they want to follow along or, I don't know, but yeah. that's, that's Just the most annoying You don't have thing. the energy for it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no real way to approach it. I mean, I think everyone's different and I'm, I'm lucky cause I'm such a vocal person. So I will literally say like, I don't want to talk about this. Like today, this is off limits. Yeah. Like people that's great. during boundaries. The, yeah, absolutely. During the bone marrow, tra- uh, like finding a match process when I was like promoting that I need a match and people would be like checking in with me regularly, like that people that I didn't know. You're like, Hey, I don't even know. Can you yeah. not, can you not bring it up right now? So that's, that was when it would, that's when it got like the most like annoying, but yeah. then I would just not, not respond. And again, and be like, you know, I, I, I don't care if you I don't, don't respond have to feel to bad yeah. about that. Yeah. It's nice of them to reach out, but like, you don't, yeah. you don't owe them anything. Yeah. Um, is it, do you have any, like, besides the listening to the pop music, like, like t- for example, today you had a doctor's appointment and also podcasting can be very draining. Like when you're telling your story, Yeah. <laughs> like after this, like, do you have a thing that you know that you will do that will like cheer you up? Like a special thing you would like to eat or a show that you watch, even though you said that's kind of hard for you. But do you have, what are your like coping skills and like little self care things that you do? Yeah. I mean, it changes day to day based on how I'm feeling and like mm-hmm. where I'm at mentally. I've discovered, which I was gifted so many journals and I was like, why do, why do I have 50 journals? Everyone gave me one. It's like such a cancer patient gift. (laughs) And it turns out (laughs) there are specific ones, blankets, slippers, Mm -hmm. um, stuffed animals, of course, uh, and journals and adult coloring books, which I've, 
never used and I do not do that. It's not. I think it's like, so insulting. <laughs> it, well, I think it works for a lot of people. Yeah. I truly do. But I'm like, I'm like, I've taken the colored pencils that people have given me mm-hmm. and someone actually gave me a um, drawing pad, like mm-hmm. a blank. And I drew on that because yeah. I'm very artistic, obviously. Like mm-hmm. a, I'm a makeup artist. Yeah. So like, yeah, totally. I like to draw, but like, I definitely don't like to color. Yeah. <laughs> like color. It's just like not my thing. But cut to, you know, I was diagnosed, what, six months ago. And then I got all these journals and cut to, um, like a month ago, I was like, maybe I'm going to start to write some stuff. And that's actually been very cathartic and a surprise. Well, maybe that, you can make a book out of it yeah. later. Well, you know, and See, I'm always thinking about how you can make money. The next uh, there step. We go. That's, that's <laughs> what I like to hear. But, it, but it is true because, um, it, it has been cathartic to write mm-hmm. and to journal. And like when I'm, when I'm tired, obviously that's not where I go to, but mm-hmm. like that's something I like to do in the mornings to kind of calm me down. And I do, I started off just listing, listing stories I wanted to tell, whether they're stories like why the nurse bothered me today, mm-hmm. or if it's like a much more like, you know, dramatic tale of how I lost my virginity. Maybe I just want to reflect on that. Yeah, you know, it's that. like, so, but I'll pick like a thing and I have like a list of stories and then I'll, um, true stories, but like, mm-hmm. I'll just kind of journal that. And they're usually fun or funny, yeah. but they're also like kind of documenting my specific cancer mm-hmm. journey and like the little things that you don't, just don't expect to happen. Yeah. Like how I'm always up in the nurses drama. Like I know who all the nurses oh, okay. don't so like. Give us some of that. Yeah. You don't well, have to tell anyone's names or specifics, not. but if you want to, but no, like there's just, you know, there's, it's like, uh, even though they're a, it's a hospital and they're like saving lives and stuff, it's still a workplace and well, workplace I mean, is drama. Why do you think Grey's Anatomy has been on TV for 30 years? It feels there you like. Go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it actually I think so wait, it has been 30. What's the drama? Well, I mean, just like one of the nurses doesn't like the other, but they both like me. And like one of them, you know, is uh, insulted because they went on a trip and like didn't invite the other person, but the other person showed up. I mean, just like that is kind of stuff. Is this Vanderpump Rules? <laughs> the hospital <laughs> edition? Should you pitch it as a reality show afterwards? I just think the only reason that it's not a reality show, I think because like legal reasons probably. legal reasons yeah. and they would have to have like it would be such a hard time to get patients to like you're like hey, excuse me i know that you're having a heart attack but we need to get this shot right now yeah. <laughs> can you just hold on <laughs> can you sign this waiver to appear on screen in between signing a waiver that so fucked up. yeah that would actually be a really funny snl sketch yeah did we just write one we copyrighted it guys you can't steal it but can you imagine that would be really funny trademark like parroting it um so okay what so Wait, did I? Oh, yeah. Journaling is your kind of new. That's like, yeah, I've discovered that. See, my, I feel like I relate to the journaling one. Like the coloring book would have just, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not, I, but I'm also not very artistic. I like writing and stuff. But I would think like for me, or do you still have a problem like where food doesn't taste good? I would think like, okay, I've had this long, hard day. Like I'm going to treat myself to my favorite meal. Are well, you struggling with like the meds kind of? No, right. So it's like a roller coaster. It truly is because it's like I'll go in for a chemo treatment to mm-hmm. keep my cancer in remission because technically I am in remission, which is great news. But with the acute Congrats. part, thank yay. you. We should, yay, yay. <laughs> but the acute part of my can of my you know I keep saying acute myeloid leukemia. Mm-hmm. leukemia. So the acute part means it's co- going to come back and aggressively. So I have to have it, constant. You mean it's going to, or it can come back. The in, the medical standard is that it will come back okay. within three to six months. So that's why over the past six months, I have to get routine chemo where I go into the hospital for a week, mm-hmm. get a heavy dose mm-hmm. of chemo for about five days, and then I'm released. And then I suffer the side effects for those chemo, the chemo for about a month. Mm-hmm. And then I recover and all, everything recovers and I'm still in remission. Then I'm back to normal for a few weeks and then we do it all again. Mm-hmm. And this keeps it at bay until I get my bone marrow transplant, mm-hmm. which is based in st- on stem cells, not actually going into my bones and cutting mm-hmm. them open and replacing the marrow. Thank okay. God. <laughs> 
Um, but so the bone marrow transplant is why is what actually cures the cancer mm-hmm. because this cancer is in my bone marrow and mm-hmm. will come back. I mean, there is a chance it's not worth running the risk to find out like, hey, am I going to be the one? Because it is truly 50-50 if it will come back. Yeah. But with a bone marrow transplant, it goes down to like to nothing. Yeah. Al- almost. Like, especially someone of my age. It yeah. goes down to like 5% chance or something like that. Yeah. Like crazy. Oh, so you definitely. And you, you found a match. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have a match. And so. Have you met the person? Like, do you, no, do I don't you know co- who it will is. Do you correspond ever? Or? I don't know how that works because mm-hmm. they don't. First of all, he's from Germany. That's all oh, I know. Okay. Well, they say we have an unrelated donor Germany's from Germany. Germany's a lovely place. I've been. You can go visit. I've been, I've been too. And yeah. I want to, <laughs> I think one day, like if I can find out if they, if I don't know the legalese uh-huh. uh, regarding, you know, if it's like a private thing and they just yeah. do this out of the goodness of their heart. I'm not sure. Um, oddly enough, there are several people who've reached out to me when I just posted yesterday that I found my donor mm-hmm. and he's German, that several people have German donors as well here in America. Well, I mean, they are strong stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. But like the fact that they're like, so many of them are willing to go through with the, um, the process. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not as nearly as invasive as I, as what I'm going through, but it mm-hmm. still takes a couple of days to, you yeah. know, it's like a long blood draw session. Mm-hmm. They have to give you a bunch of shots like a week before. It's not just like you go in and donate uh, your blood and then you're done. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a week long process and you're fatigued for a couple of days. You have to take off work, but yeah. whatever it is, I thank this young man. He's, he's a young man. That's, that's all. And I think, I think they said he's like 26 or 28. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know. Or maybe he knows someone that was sick. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I just don't know. So, yeah. but it's very, you know, it's it's weirdly emotional to think about because it's, you know, it's like I already have all my emotions to deal with, and then on top of it, I'm like thinking about like, well, there's a stranger who's doing it's very this. Sweet. Yeah. So it's really. I think that's like just kind of a cool thing to have in your head of like, you know, the world's not all bad. Yeah, that's like, what there's I, still like some wonderful people out there. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. So, okay, let's go into. Uh, what it's been like trying to kind of live your life while going through this journey. Have mm-hmm. you been dating? Cause we kind of talked about it the other day at Kristen's surprise party. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your social life. Yeah. With so the big C. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I was saying with the, the chemo, so it's like I get chemo and then I am very ill and basically I'm immunity compromised. So the, the chemo kills all the bad things mm-hmm. like the cancer, but it kills all the good things like the white blood cells in my body that could fight infection. Mm-hmm. So then I am immunity deficient. So mm-hmm. then most of those times for about three weeks post chemo. So that those times I can't eat out, you know, cause it's just like a risk to, to have my food handled by anyone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. So even Wait, if, for how many weeks after it's tip, I mean, it varies depending on how quickly my blood counts recover, but it's been about three weeks is about the average. So I'm dealing with a week of can- of chemo treatment yeah. and then three weeks of recovering and feeling very weak because when your blood's low, yeah. everything's affected. Walking upstairs makes you tired. You yeah. know, just like, so I'm just very tired and yeah. very not, you know, that's why I have visitors come to me and like they, you know, have to wash their hands and wear a mask sometimes and all of that nine yards. So that part of my social life during that time, it's not very active. Mm-hmm. It's more my friends come to me. They see me. We'll take a walk. I can't go to crowded places. I can't go to stores. Mm-hmm. If I do any of that, it's like in the later weeks as my blood numbers rise because mm-hmm. they go down to zero. Like yeah. I, at certain points, I have zero white blood cells, so I cannot fight an infection. So if I get a fever over 100.4 degrees during this time, I get readmitted to the hospital for a minimum of three days just to make sure it's not an infection. Most of the time, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's usually just... Uh, a side effect of not your body thinks you're sick because it doesn't have white blood cells. It's, you know, weird catch 22 yeah. thing. So all of that boring stuff being said is that it's doesn't lend itself to be very social, yeah. you know? So it's like my friends come to me 
but I had this little epiphany because it's, this has been going on for so long. It's been six, you know, six months now. Mm -hmm. And when my transplant happens next month, it's going to be another, it's like the chemo side effects, but times 10 okay. and for a longer period of time. Are you in a hospital whole time for the no, six months? No, I'm in the hospital for the 30 days. Okay. Or like with my transplant somewhere in that middle of that 30 days. And then I get sent home and I can have visitors. It's the same thing, but like I, same thing, I'm going to be even more weaker than I've ever been used to. And mm -hmm. then I will not be able to have, um, I won't be able to go out and do my like normal things. Mm -hmm. Like even something like Kristen's surprise party. Like yeah. I could do that, you know, this past week, but I can't, won't be able to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm during this phase during mm -hmm. the next four months or so. And of course it could happen faster or it mm -hmm. could take a little longer, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I had this epiphany and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just see a little bit, just, just go online, you know, to like a, a, a reputable online dating site. Not okay. cause I gotta be safe. So like I've got a weakened immune system. I don't yeah. want to run the risk of like having so tinders out. Yeah. Tinder and grinder <laughs> and all of those are, out of off the books, you know, I don't want to be meeting people and running those running those risks or mm -hmm. anything. I barely um, want to like meet people, like, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> let alone have your compromised compromised immune system. Yeah, well, you just don't even want to kiss a stranger, you yeah. know. Like, I mean, in, so you you definitely want to be on a reputable dating site. Yeah, well, just because men mentally, I am not. I'm not prepared. Like, I'm definitely not prepared to like hook up. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not a, an option for me right now. Um, I mean, I probably could talk to my doctors about it. I could probably do it in a safe way if I wanted. But you know, I'm I'm tired. Yeah. I'm, it's just not. It's just not where You're my head's at. You're not coming in as your best self. You exactly. want you want to come out of the gate strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, why give it? A, why go fifty percent when you could go a hundred and four months when you're feeling better with a fresh set of bone marrow? Yeah. So, um. But I did decide to get on a reputable dating site and kind of just put it out there with a mixture of pictures of me during the process to show. Like right now, I have a very cropped buzz, you know, mm -hmm. head because my hair started Which to grow back in. You. Thank you. I actually don't mind it whatsoever. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, I really think I, it's very youthful looking. Yeah, I feel like it's making you look like. And I love like it with the full face of makeup too. Yeah. It like looks so bomb. Like, so Sinead O'Connor. Yes. <laughs> just give me a picture of the Pope to rip up yeah. when I'm set. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um. So I, so I put pictures from everything, you know, from pre-cancer, which, which was just last year. Mm -hmm. And then like what, what I look like with full head hair. And mm -hmm. then I put like a couple pictures of me, like, um, you know, in the hospital, like when I'm standing and stuff, just so you can get an idea of like what I look like, what in general. And then, you know, pictures of me now with just like selfies that I take now when I'm not, not getting chemo and I have a little bit of hair, but I'm still obviously going through it. And I put a short little bio on there saying, mm -hmm. explaining what's going on, not as in depth as we're talking, but just, yeah. just to put it out there, just not trying to scare anyone. You could just put a link to the podcast. on yeah, there. Seriously. Maybe I'll do that <laughs> after that for uh, any, any interested, uh, young, young men Listen out there. This. Um, and by young men, I just mean like anyone under, you know, 50, so. oh, the range, <laughs> the range of it all, but over 23, we cannot mess around oh, with that. Like God, 18 yes. to maybe even like 25 to be, to just to be yeah, safe. I I if I was know. single, I could not go lower than, I don't think I could go lower than 30. I know. I, and I joke everyone I've, everyone I talk to is always younger than me. I don't know what it is, even if it's just by a year. So I don't know what, what I'm projecting. I don't know what well, it you is. You look very young. Maybe I mean, that's you, part you, of it. You are young, but I feel like you have a baby face as well. Maybe that's part of it too, though. You only look like like your age or like whatever when you're wearing like makeup. But other than that, you look, I feel like you look like you're like 24. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Baby face. I'll take it. Lucky you. I will take it. <laughs> but so it's been interesting on the dating site because, and this is like a new thing for me. It's not, you know, and it, what am I trying to accomplish? I don't know. It's Maybe not just the companionship of even talking to someone, getting to know them. In like a, 
actual genuine way that's not there's no way you're hooking up anytime soon you're probably not meeting up anytime soon you would actually oh you have you already actually okay so i damn so i was pleasantly surprised people to shame yes (laughs) i was pleasantly surprised that when I made my profile the the next day, I said, you know what, just fuck it. I made it, and I checked back in. I don't do notifications on anything. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm like getting bombarded with notifications. I'm the same as you. I just they don't make like me feel them. anxious. Yeah, yeah, I don't like them on Instagram. I don't like them on any of the socials. Same. I don't, and I'm especially gonna put a, put them on the datings. So I logged back in the next day, and I had over forty like messages oh and responses and things like uh interactions you know like That's whether amazing. it's like and so i was like so it's like a nice little confidence boost and just for like to feel like normal yeah. you know like that and then to see that it get kind of a, once again another moment of like restoring faith and everything like uh-huh. little faith in like the gay community out there who can be you know no offense gay community but we can, we can be, be a little shallow. we can be a little vapid <laughs> yeah. we can be a little sex obsessed we can be a little shallow we can be a little self-absorbed um which everyone can be but yeah. you know i'm a gay person dealing with That's gay really dating say. so yeah. I so I know firsthand, and um, yeah, so I was surprised to see all the responses and the the messages, and then from that forty, I mean, I narrowed it down to maybe five or six people mm-hmm. who was like who I'd like, you know, because I still have my my taste and who I'm interested in, and you know, you get to read mm-hmm. their profiles also. It's not all about just like new reality show idea, gay bachelor post cancer. Ooh, <laughs> I love a double niche. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> double niches are my thing. Oh my God, especially lately. And so um, narrowing it down has been interesting. And then I was very impressed with a couple of people who were just kind of like, you know, treat treat me very normal. Mm-hmm. And obviously people have questions. And so mm-hmm. I don't, sh- you know, I don't shoot them down just because they have a question about my health or whatever. Mm-hmm. And online dating is already a weird world mm-hmm. of like, because you get too... F- you get to know someone too quickly almost in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. But in some, in like in this case, it has a benefit because it's like, then I don't have to explain in person. Like if you were just to introduce me to your friend, like, Hey, I have a friend. I want you to, then I have to be like, so I have cancer and totally. then I'm going to get a bone marrow transplant and it's going to be four months. But like, if you're around in four months, like I'm free. Yeah. So this, like I kind of get to lay it all out there, which nice. is nice. Yeah. And so like, I was impressed. This one guy sent me, he, he was like, Hey, I really don't, do cyber like chatting like it's very hard for me to gauge someone's personality like here's my phone number mm-hmm. um and so i texted him just kind of like whether i was medicated or just just bored i don't know can't yeah. remember <laughs> but so i was like all right i'll text you and he was so sweet and then he was like are you able to like go out like i know your situation like are you able to meet before all of this stuff goes down mm-hmm. and i was like well, technically yeah like according to the doctors right now i'm on my up and up i'm out to able to go to like parties yeah. and do stuff so yeah i can and then proving chivalry's not dead, he sent me a little message. Can I pick you up? You know, and I was like, Oh my god! Oh my so, god! He sounds so sweet. I know. So we went on a little date, and it was nice. And I mean, it was short because, like, I do forget that I am like this. Like, we're cozied up on your couch right now. Yeah. Like, I'm just sitting here, just chit chatting. Like, this is I can. You're do not this. having to be like on like a date. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I'm not having to like answer questions. And he was very, very sweet. He was asking questions, not about, we, we really didn't touch much on the cancer, which was nice. It just felt very normal. Mm-hmm. And I was dating someone, someone last year for a while. So after breaking up with them, it was nice to be like, okay, I still got it. Even with the cancer and even with like, mm-hmm. you know, all this, I can still do a date and yeah. Um, we're still in touch, you know, we're figuring out if we're going to be able to squeeze in a second date before my, my impending transplant in the next two weeks. Plus all did the fun ev- activities. Did you ever thought you'd think you'd say those words? <laughs> oh my God. Nothing <laughs> I, that I thought six months ago, nothing is what I thought it would be. So 
Um, well, you know what I'm going to call this podcast episode? Mm-hmm. The only way is through it. Okay. <laughs> Very fitting. So just, you just, you're just getting through it and then everything's going to be different afterwards. And yes. It's, but, but probably this is going to lead me to the question that you basically already wrote this question for yourself, but I had written it down, but I was curious about this. Um, now that you've gone through something so life-changing, is your perspective on a like career and friendships and dating and life and what's important uh, different now? Yes. And tell me in what <laughs> ways. <laughs> um, it is such a cliche to, to like in, in retrospect, someone told me like when I first got diagnosed, like a doctor or a nurse said, your life is going to change or maybe even like a therapist who came into the hospital mm-hmm. to see me. said, you are going to feel so different when this is all said and done. And she, she said, you'll know it. You won't notice as you're in it, mm-hmm. but you'll start to get little glimpses of it. And then when you're done, you are going to be a different person. And at first I'm like, yeah, fucking right. I'm going to be, if anything, I'm just going to be mad that this happened to me. <laughs> like how unfair. And sure enough, here we are six months in and I'm already like, oh my God, I'm such a different person. Mm-hmm. Things are already changing the way I view things. The The cliched saying of like life is short, mm-hmm. really, it really has such an impactful meaning. And, and I mean, what does the future hold for me specifically when I'm, you know, cancer free and everything? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I've already been thinking like my career, like, do I, do I want to continue doing makeup for the rest of my life? Is there more to that I want to do? Do I want to help this demographic of young people who have cancer specifically, you know, I love a double niche. Yeah. So specifically gay, double niche is like my new favorite term. <laughs> specifically gay young people with cancer. Mm-hmm. There's nothing out there that I've found like books or, you know, anything mm-hmm. about it that, that covers that. There's frankly not even a lot about like before you came when I was researching dating and cancer. Yeah. There is very few. I was trying to find podcasts to listen to about it. There's, there's not a lot out there. All right. Here's another business idea. Maybe you start a podcast about it. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Because I, I like I I don't read a lot of articles because I'm usually like doing stuff while I'm well, not that I'm not now that I'm laid up. But normally when I'm researching for my podcast, I'll listen to or I'll have like this app that will read articles aloud, whatever. I spent so much time trying to find even a podcast episode about someone dating with cancer. Like there's not a lot out there. No, there's so nothing. you could have a triple niche. Oh, my God. <laughs> this might be too just much. Just just take my double niche and take it to the next level. Um, yeah. So, so there is just my, my brain is constantly just turning Mm -hmm. up. Like what is going to, what happens next? And now, um, I feel more secure in knowing what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about like dating specifically, like Mm -hmm. I know exactly not to the annoying, not that annoying thing that people do on like dating sites where they like list exactly what they require in a partner. But like, I know now like what I value and Mm -hmm. what I need and what I'm willing to sacrifice and what I'm not absolutely what my non-negotiables are, Mm -hmm. which beforehand I feel like a lot of people are guilty of this is like kind of just falling, you know, pray to, being content, you know, not content, but just, uh, what's the word compliant in a relationship mm-hmm. and you're just, it's totally. comfortable. So mm-hmm. you just stay in it and that's not always the healthiest mentality. And so like now I know that's definitely not an option for mm-hmm. me. I'm not going to do that. Um, with work, I want to find work that's, and not necessarily work. I've never been one of those people who say your work has to be your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would be embarrassed to say like my passion is putting eyeshadow on people. Like that would be <laughs> embarrassing to me. Do I love doing it? And am I, yeah. am I, am I, am I, and am I artistic? Yes. Mm-hmm. But do I, is it my passion? No. Yeah. But now it's like, have I found a new passion? 
maybe yeah you know and i can do both they're not mutually mutually exclusive mm-hmm. but um everything's changed yeah I mean, do you find yourself changed. not sweating the small stuff enough and like things that used to matter you're just like eh, who cares now a little bit it's a work in progress especially because so many things are still little stuff like every doctor's appointment where they are talking about a blood you know my blood I don't think that that counts as the little stuff uh, well that's to major. me right now that's yeah. little stuff yeah. you know because it's like oh well my blood counts this week because I go to the doctor twice a week mm-hmm. to get my blood tested to see where my counts are and so like that little stuff I'm learning to not even sweat that which mm-hmm. I used to be like so neurotic about freaking you know thinking about mm-hmm. it and freaking out about it but um yeah the little stuff I'm talking about like oh I just took a group photo with my friends and I look fatter than everyone or oh um just like petty drama stuff or oh, this person cut me off on the road and normally I'd be mad, but it's like, oh, who cares? Like, no, you know what? That hasn't gone away. Okay. <laughs> that has hey, not, you, you do you. That has not gone away <laughs> yet. I, I, It's getting there though. I can mm-hmm. feel it. Um, the road rage was a poor example because the road rage I think is just always going to be a part of my soul. Okay. But um, but no, I can definitely feel like that little stuff of of being like, the, the little petty stuff, like you said, like, do I look bad in this picture? Like, mm-hmm. I don't like I don't care what I look like in a picture anymore because it's yeah. like I have had people visit me and want to take pictures with me in the hospital bed when I'm like bald, have dark circles under my eyes and, you know, I'm emaciated and have wires coming out of me and mm-hmm. I'm still like, all right, take a picture. Like, yeah, yeah sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, so that I mean, it's definitely like a lesson for your vanity mm-hmm. and it's a lesson for it is a life lesson. Like it really is. And it's I hate that I'm falling into like some of the cliches of like the cheesy books that people gave me. But, I love it. <laughs> well, but it is nice. And I feel like there is again. I don't know what how I'm going to work it, whether it, whether it be book or podcast or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a way to marry the two things of being like a, you know, a sarcastic young person who like totally who's like we live in meme culture and everything's a joke. But also to find like you to regain your power yeah. in all of this. I think that's you perfect. Know? I love that. So, okay. The last question I want to ask you is, do you have anything after you're done with this whole thing? Like you're uh, after you're done with the bone marrow transplant and you're cancer free, even though you are now, but you're, you know, it's not likely to come back. It's not going to come back. Have you thought about like, all right, I want to go on this trip or I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to purchase this. Thing. Is there anything you have like that you really want to do at the end of this journey? Um, that's like treating yourself. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, there's like a million things, mm-hmm. but nothing planned because mm-hmm. like, I don't know the exact extent of everything. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, obviously if you can't tell by now, I love a good pop concert. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it before I get my transplant. I'm going to go on special co- uh, concert. And, um, I was granted through this charity that, that like, I don't like to say make a wish because that can has such negative connotations yeah. or sad connotations, but they basically give like small wish granting things for people who have just like, you know, who've had to deal with this young people who've had mm-hmm. to deal with blood cancer specifically. Yeah. And, um, they granted me, you know, like a little credit. I think it's like two grand to do something. Oh God, and so amazing. I want to do a, you know, a big concert type thing with some of my best friends and get yeah. like a whole VIP experience. Um, there's nothing, one thing in particular. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, at a certain point, and this, this is where it's like, you go, goes back to the previous where it's like the little things that you don't sweat. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not sweating planning like this big trip to celebrate. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I want to go see like Lady Gaga front row or something fun like that where yeah. I'm just like, I'm forgetting about my problems for the night, but there's no like huge thing that I have to do. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's just like, I just can't wait to be like, Oh God, I don't have cancer. Like I can go do whatever I want. Yeah. Like, even if it's not a, you know, 
a luxury five-star two-week vacation to yeah. Tahiti or somewhere, which like, I mean, I'm down for, yeah. but if someone wants to do that. Right? Yeah. If anyone wants to do that, I'm open, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's nothing like that. It's just like, I really can't wait to just get my life back to yeah. the normalcy. And yeah. that's when I like, I can't wait to just go to like the 99 cent store, you know, and not have to worry mm-hmm. about like it being a germ infested place. Yeah. And I can't wait to go to Ross and Walmart and all my discounted shopping yeah. places that I love I to love visit. A good yeah, I just love to go to those places. And um I love to eat out and so like I, obviously that's been very limited. Right. So I'll go eat out with you anytime when you're able to go out. I mean, I probably when I get done with all this I'm going to just like do have to gain like 100 pounds of just like pure eating you out. Deserve it. Absolutely. And then I can then I can do like a fitness journey and something else and <laughs> you know like just find all, all sorts the list. of <laughs> all sorts of fun things. But yeah, you you realize that, you know, the big things like that, like it is fun to have a big thing, but, mm-hmm. but that's not the end, the end game. It's more yeah. of like working on, working on stuff that I want to do, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. This was amazing. Yes. This was you so, were so fun. fun. We tell everyone where they can find you, like on the socials, if you want to give them out. Yeah. I'm mainly on Instagram. That's my big thing. It's Jared lips. And I do have a lash line with a makeup company called Lashaholic lashes and proceeds of those lashes go directly to my medical bills, which Wonderful. I did have a horrible insurance experience. I have a half a million dollar medical bill for a 30 day stay and it didn't even cure my cancer. Mm, that was just so one month. Scary. And that is with insurance folks. So I am struggling. Um, I've had a lot of help, so I'm mm-hmm. thankful for it, but it's con- you know something that I need continual help. Mm-hmm. And I do have a GoFundMe as well, which is in the link, uh, which is in my Instagram at Jared lips. Okay. So Wonderful. Yeah. Check him out, guys. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Bye. (laughs)